where, uh, you know, things might get a little crazier than they expected it would be when they go to meet their grandma and pop-pop. Nana and pop-pop. Nana, Nana and pop-pop. Orange, you glad I didn't say Nana? <laughs> <laughs> this, this is not even a joke. <laughs> Getting closer, going faster than a roller coaster. Love like yours will. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 377 with a review of The Visit. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm S. Dizzle. <laughs> and if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases. Can we do a theater near you? Uh, this week we're taking a break from our VOD releases that we've been doing recently, and we're getting back. We're getting back to the movies, just as this director is getting back to uh, hopefully trying to make a movie that's not a piece of shit. Uh, yep. <laughs> we are talking about the new movie from M Night Shyamalan, The Visit. How is your evening going, Mr. Stephen Miller? Uh, you spooked out at all? I, I actually am a little bit. Um... I came home to my empty, dark ap- apartment, and only because I knew that we were going to be recording this movie, I had it in my head, like, what if I got scared? Like, what if a lady <laughs> was sitting in my chair <laughs> or something? <laughs> and so I kid you not, like, I texted you telling you I just got home. Yeah. I walked, I checked the bathroom, the closet, the chair. I walked up and down. I turned on every light. <laughs> just like a routine check, like, okay, we're good. <laughs> Oh, nice, nice. Okay. How are you doing? It, it, are, it, are you scared? <laughs> I'm, I'm not scared. Mostly because I, I. Well, the thing I'm scared about is the ulcer brewing in my stomach from that hot ass salsa that I ate before I left to, mm-hmm. to come here to record. Salsa? Huh? <laughs> Nothing. Okay. A, a salsa ulcer. So salsa. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, but I mean, besides that, um, not too spooked out right now. Um, but I don't know. I mean, th- this, this episode could very well spook me out. I- okay. So I think I'll, I'll start with a story. <laughs> I feel like it's better banter than as a review. Okay. So I'm, I'm a wimp. Like we've established that. <laughs> uh, I think the Babadook is the first horror movie I watched in maybe like eight years. <laughs> And it was only because you made me. Like, you guys said you have to watch this. Because I hate it. I just hate being scared. I get freaked out. Like, things that aren't that scary, like like the others, scared me. Um, I remember as a kid, like, Minority Report, seeing the precogs underwater, that scared me. Well, I mean, (laughs) that is kind of weird. I mean, like, weird albino people... In, in baths of water with shit plugged up to them and little red balls rolling out of machines. I mean, that that's a little bit frightening. Yeah, and I think what what really frightens me a lot are things that are just off. Like, the dial is turned just a little too much to be creepy. Um, so, anyway, this movie, the trailer alone is full of, like, eerie images like that. You know, like a twisted, happy thing turned kind of demented. <laughs> a twisted, happy thing like a naked grandma. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So so one scene in the trailer, so it isn't a spoiler, is the kids open the door at night and see their grandma scurrying really quickly on her fours around the house, like bounding back and forth. Yeah. So, so after this movie, my girlfriend and I go to a sushi boat restaurant, <laughs> which is is where people sit at the counters, the chefs are in the middle, they're putting stuff on boats. 
and I was talking to her, telling her, like, you know, the movie didn't scare me that much. I feel really good. And while I was saying that, in my peripheral vision, a sushi chef crawled under the counter. Because <laughs> this is how they get out. They crawl on all fours and just scurry under the counter right towards where I was sitting. <laughs> and I gave, like, a look of horror, and I paused for maybe, like, ten seconds. <laughs> It wasn't just a gut reaction. I was actually, like, frozen with fear by these sushi chefs that were crawling toward me. Oh, my God. That's so awesome. And it happened, like, you would think after the first time it wouldn't be scary, but it happened, like, five times. And every time I had, like, at least some jolt of terror when I saw the person crawling towards me. That was, like, a little trigger warning. You're just like, oh, shit. Exactly. Like, oh, no, grandma's coming. Oh, that's all. I was wondering what the sushi story was because like I could I couldn't I couldn't think of what it could possibly be considering there's no like sushi sushi scene. Why is that so hard to say? Um, so um, but that that's an awesome story. <laughs> yeah, especially if you were there. Like I was cockily describing, like, oh yeah, you know, this is the second horror movie in a row that I really wasn't that scared by. <gasps> <laughs> And I was just petrified. The the better story would be, I mean, I'm not better. This is this horrible, like I am a horrible person, but I'm going to say it anyways because it's funny in a dark way. Um, not in a dark way like Queen of Earth, but it is, you'll, you'll hear it. Um, but basically, if like you were, if you decided not to drive or Uber or anything to go see the movie, but you took like BART or something like that, and like an old woman falls onto the BART track, and like the train is coming and you're the only one close enough to help her, but she's in that all fours crouch position and you're too scared <laughs> to actually help her. So you just watch her get hit by the Bart because you were too traumatized by the visit to actually do anything about the fact that she had fallen. So that didn't happen, but a few similar things did because after <laughs> dinner, so we're in like the downtown financial district. And one thing about San Francisco is like, there are a lot of kind of older homeless people some of them are elderly women with long hair <laughs> who look a little bit off. Yeah. And like a few times I was walking and like one would just turn and look at me and I would be really scared. <laughs> Dude, you have to watch it follows. No, never. <laughs> oh, you would never be able to walk around the city anymore after it follows. Don't want to. Not going to do it. <laughs> I, th- I think you should. We should, we should do like a, a ret- retroactive review to lump you in on what you thought of the film. No, it's this Crimson Peak, and then I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> no more horror movies in 2015. If we have to see another the horror movie, I'm quitting the podcast. Yes, I think I think there will be maybe maybe there won't be a time when you transition. I mean, I don't like. I used to never watch horror films, mostly because I just wasn't really interested in it. Like I would watch a suspense movie that maybe approached horror but was really just a really good story and then it happened to have some darker elements um but i think my gateway to it was i was really i was really interested in this idea of like a war but basically what 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 kind of turned me around is i saw the movie constantine which isn't a horror film it's an action film but just the idea of like the war between good and evil and and angels and demons and like all that kind of stuff kind of made me just interested in that, like just the idea of that. So then also I started like watching all these like movies with like exorcism and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what, this is really interesting. And even when it's a bad movie, I'm still really interested in the idea of 
demonic forces possessing things on this plane and using them as a vehicle to try to get onto our or into our world. Um, mm-hmm. And that sort of got me into watching like every film that even has an exorcism scene in it at all. And then even when they're bad, like I said, I still enjoy some aspect of them. And then like the paranormal activity films started to come out. And uh, because of like how like, quote unquote, realistic, they were like, they were trying to be like, this is real, like, you know, it takes place in San Diego County. <laughs> like mm-hmm. You know, like it, it had something interesting to it. And um, yeah, I don't know. There, there's some aspect of it where I liked to be I, like, I, I've, I've grown to enjoy the even if I'm not quote unquote scared, where like maybe my heart beats fa- beating faster, and I know it is, and like I know any moment now there's gonna be a jump jump scare, and I'm trying to make myself not jump at all, but I still jump. Like there is an there there is it's it's kind of like a little mini roller coaster that doesn't involve heights. You know what I mean? Like, right. And and it's last two hours, so you know it's building towards something. So it's kind of like. Even when it's bad and even if, I don't know, say there's a bunch of stupid-ass teenagers in your freaking theater that are acting like a bunch of assholes. Hypothetically. Um, hypothetically speaking. There is generally, a, which always happens. If, if you see a horror movie and you don't see it in a 21 and up show or you don't see it like super late at night and not on the first night the movie comes out, you're going to have to deal with these kids. Um, but there, there's some aspect to it, especially if you're with like, I mean, not 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 to be quote unquote sexist, but like the times I've seen horror films with girls, like they're usually more scared than I am. But then I start to vibe off of the the scaredness that they're they're going through. Like it, mm-hmm. it's it's like a communal thing where you like you're both a little bit scared, and the sen- the fact that you can sense the other person's scared makes you more scared, and then you sort of just like create this echo chamber of fear. Where, like, yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. It's freaky. I- I'm sure my girlfriend feels that with me. I'm, I'm the scared one <laughs> in the relationship. <laughs> well, see, there you go. You, you ca- you're ca- counteracting my accidental sexism by being the man who's scared and she's the brave woman. Um, and not all women. <laughs> um, and I'm not, I'm not yeah, and I, and I just, for the record, like, I was trying to state, like, I, I'm not speaking that all women are scared and all men are tough and brave. I'm simply saying that, like, the the most fun I've had in a scary movie was with a girlfriend or a girl that I was, you know, on a date with or something who was really scared at whatever I was watching. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I like some of the things you mentioned about horror movies. I mean, when I think of, like, suspenseful movies, like The Gift is a good example, or, you know, to go up, like, 10 levels, like older like Hitchcock movies stuff like that yeah like I love the feeling of being on the edge of my seat it's um the kind that I feel like the ring brought about where it is about one or two really frightening images that you can't get out of your head yeah like there's an art to that but that I don't enjoy (laughs) because I have to live with that for like weeks after I watch the movie (laughs) Well, there, there there is some sense too that like that lingering fear is still interesting. Like like I told you, there, there's a scene in it follows where somebody is staring at an open door, thinking something's there, but there's nothing there. But then something comes through that door, mm-hmm. and I, I'm, now I'm retelling the story for the people who are listening. But there is when when I go to sleep, I shut the door that separates my bedroom from the living room slash kitchen because um, my fridge in the apartment is 
heinously loud and I like to get some peace when I sleep. Um, but when I'm shutting it, I've turned off all the lights in that room and I'm moving into a room that the lights are already off. And there is a mirror that is directly opposite the door. So when I go to shut the door, I look up and I see my, my reflection really faintly and a black void behind me as I'm shutting this door. And it's like, it's, I actually went and found that scene on, on, uh, YouTube and like it, it, it's seriously four frames of like this thing, like this person walking through this doorway. But in my head, I remember it as this prolonged large person moving into frame through this, this void. And it's like, in my head, it freaks me out. And every time I shut the door to my room, like I have this mini little, like just spike in the back of my head. That, like I sense of like, mm-hmm. okay, I just recognize that imagery. I know there's nobody in the living room <laughs> who's going to follow me through this void, but there's still some little tiny peak of freaked out that I am. And I can talk myself out of it like instantly, but it's still, I, I, I don't know. I kind of like that in a way. I, I like the roller coaster when I can opt into it. <laughs> the <laughs> problem no... is this kind of lingering. I can't opt out. Like I'm, I'm in when I have to go to bed, when I am just in a situation where something creepy is happening. Yeah. Like, like I have a bathrobe hanging in the bathroom and in my peripheral vision, when the door's open, that looks like a person is just chilling <laughs> yeah, just, over just there. Just hanging out in your bathroom. And, and like, I get a little meta joy from it, like a funny story or two, but for the most part, I, uh, I'm too much of a wimp. Yeah. I just want to watch About Time on loop. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to end up getting scared of your closet because that can't be the happy place that you go into and clench your fists and pretend like you can travel through times and make everything better. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, Mr. Stephen Miller, what do you say that uh, we get into the review? Yes. Right, we are going to take a listen to the trailer for The Visit and then come back and give you a review. Every day it's a getting close. Are you holding my camera properly? Swerve, girl. Uh, Stop, both of you. My mom. My parents asked if their grandchildren could visit them for a week. Here we are. This is where our mom grew up. I've wanted to spend time with you for so long. Miss you guys. Mom, we're having a great time. I have not seen your Nana this happy in years. <laughs> Bedtime here is 9.30. It's probably best you two shouldn't come out of your room after that. See you in the morning. 9.30? 9.30. What is that? It's 10.47. We think there's someone outside the door. I think Nana's not feeling well. Grandmother is fine. It's like somebody talking in their sleep. What's he doing? They're weird during the day. They're just cleaning it. And even weirder at night? Mom, there's something wrong with Nana and Papa. They're just old. Bear with it for a couple of days. (laughs) Nana, are you okay? They're hiding something. It's just the end of your trip. 
said, it's all over. <laughs> Gonna get you. Let's make it a perfect night. What is that? Mom, you need to come right now. Would you mind getting inside the oven to clean it? Alright, so that was the trailer for The Visit. Um, we have two kids who are being dropped off at their grandparents' house for a week uh, visiting with them. They haven't, uh, the, you know, their mother is estranged from the grandparents and they haven't ever really met them. So they're going to go spend a week with them. Um, meanwhile, the daughter is, you know, really into filmmaking and wants to make this uh, pretentious documentary about uh, what happened between her mom and her grandparents. So she's carrying a camera in, you know, classic found footage style. And uh, what we are watching is all the footage that she collected on this one-week trip where, uh, you know, things might get a little crazier than they expected it would be when they go to meet their grandma and pop-pop. Nana and pop-pop. Nana, Nana and pop-pop. Orange, you glad I didn't say Nana? <laughs> <laughs> this, this is not even a joke. Orange is the new black. I don't know. If... Um, <laughs> anyways, Stephen Miller. Um, were you like? What did you think of this film? Yeah, so I think it's only fair to preface with the obvious fact that M Night Shyamalan has not been good in a very long time. I don't know if Carson is listening and he's gonna cry because like a Lady in the Water was the best movie he ever made or something. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think most of us can agree that it, it's been a while since the dude has made a good movie. Yeah. Um, and I feel like. Going into this, uh, I did not necessarily see like a masterpiece, like a masterful horror movie, but I saw a very fun, enjoyable, pulpy one. Um, in my mind, this movie had the right balance of comedic moments and scary moments. Like it wasn't, um, it wasn't a masochistic movie. It was a movie that wanted to give you enough terror. And then undercut it with something funny for like five minutes and then go back to terror and then undercut it again. Yeah. Like more more of that kind of roller coaster where it has a bunch of uphill and downhill moments, but it never becomes like excruciating. Yeah. Um and, and yeah, in my mind that was just a ton of fun. I, I feel like you know, the found footage concept, there's nothing new about it, but Coming from M. Night Shyamalan, who has made many, like, very serious movies where you can tell he believes very strongly in his ability to, like, make up a scene or frame a shot. Um, having this character who's kind of talking about that pretentiously, like, how she's going to convey emotion and how you can make make terror by having the, the object of horror come in from the other side and things like that... Uh, that right off the bat made it fun for me. Uh, even if it wasn't original, I, I got a lot of laughs out of that. Mm. And then the the actual horror elements were, I thought, really well done. I mean, this movie, the trailer gives away maybe half of the frightening scenes, but the way that they come about and the way that they're weighted, I feel like it doesn't give away too much. Like, there was still plenty of fun surprise to be had in this movie. Um 
I, I also think like a lot of effective horror movies take a subconscious fear that we actually have and prey on that. And in this case, it is that fear of <laughs> maybe this is terrible, but the, you know, the fear of old Grim, people or <laughs> people who might, yeah, people who might not be all the way there anymore. People who yeah. maybe have like a misplaced love or like a screw or two is loose and they can't be, they're not a formidable enemy, but that almost makes it worse. It's like a scary thing that you can't hit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Like if if these people were just random homeless 40 people year in old San Francisco. Men, <laughs> yeah. If these were just like 40 year old men in this movie, they, the kids met on the street, they wouldn't, ever put up with them like after one weird thing they would run away <laughs> but yeah. the fact that they are kind of old and sweet and you can frame it in a way where it it could be plausibly nothing for quite a while in the movie um i i thought that made it fun of course you know where it's going i feel like i picked up on the big twist of the movie maybe like a third of the way in Wait, but are you saying M. Night Shyamalan threw a twist in the end of his movie? I, he's really reinventing himself, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but even even if I could kind of see where it was going, there was still a lot of joy in the reveal. Like, my theater definitely got a kick out of it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't amount to a whole lot. Some set pieces are better than others. Like, I loved a scene about hide-and-seek, a scene with the grandma laughing. I love the visual of scurrying at night. That is, like, <laughs> that's the right amount of terrifying. I've definitely been in a house I didn't know before, and you hear creaky noises, and, like, that is a very scary, real fear that I would have of, like, what if I open the door and shit was just going down outside <laughs> you know you gotta you gotta come across the bridge and come hang out in alameda there there's like sections of alameda that are these old like victorian homes and like all these like er there's just areas of the town where literally every single house looks like a haunted house <laughs> and you're just <laughs> like you're like yeah this street's freaking terrifying i i don't want to do that <laughs> <laughs> but i believe you <laughs> um so yeah, the I thought, I thought that I'm gonna take you to the neighborhood. I'm not gonna actually do this. Be funny if I take you to the neighborhood, and then I was like, "What? The the light says that the the back passenger door is open. Can you just like get out, open it, and shut it for me? And then when you get out, I just tear away. Don't you dare! I would never do that to you, Stephen. But anyway, so I thought Nana and Pop Pop are both. Uh, very good in this movie. The kids are like, okay, sometimes I like them. Other times they're too precocious and too, like, trying to be comic relief for my taste. But do, there are a few times where he really nails the comic relief with them. Do you think um, the girl was faking her lisp? Because I feel like half the movie she had a lisp and half the time she didn't. The kid, def the, like, the boy definitely had a lisp. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the girl was maybe faking it. it I didn't really believe it. Yeah, I feel like the boy had to be because, I mean, when he's trying to do his, like, raps and stuff, I feel like if if for every word you're trying to say the lispy version of the word, it would be pretty difficult to maintain that. Mm -hmm. um, also, I feel like those raps needed subtitles because <laughs> I, I couldn't understand half of what he was saying. Nope. <laughs> Neither could I. <laughs> those, those raps are a good example of a a quote funny moment that I felt a little bit too removed from. Yeah. Like to me, it was more like, yeah, I don't, 
I don't believe this kid is actually doing this right now. <laughs> his, his funniest, most awkward moment for me is is the sister saying, what are you doing? And he's like, this is how kids play. Yes, that was the funniest by far. That was great. Uh, um, yeah, and I mean, the movie rushes to a pretty good ending, or at least penultimate ending. Like, it, it hits a kind of fun crescendo where things get things are allowed to get crazy but not again in like the masochistic way more in like a gleeful kind of crazy yeah more in the shies away <laughs> yeah yeah the shies away by the way not my favorite part of the movie <laughs> um and you know it's it's a horror movie i feel like when it tries it tries to go for real emotion a couple times like it kind of bookends it with real emotional moments and those don't work for me at all but whatever the bulk of the movie worked it it was a fun time well mr stephen miller um so so leading into when we first of all i was negative interested in seeing this film not because it was just another horror film but because specifically because it was an m night Shyamalan picture um I am sort of done with this stuff. Like, just I don't trust them. Like, there was a point in time where I was like, did you say I'm not Shyamalan? Sign me up. And that <laughs> quickly went away. Um, I mean, I was already not liking things when everybody else was still on board. <laughs> um, but... Uh, I think he peaked with the happening. <laughs> the freaking happening. Oh, dear God. Um, but no, like, I didn't even like the village. Um, and I think I didn't even see Lady in the Water because I didn't like the village or I don't remember what the order of everything was. I think I watched the happening just because I wanted to torture myself. Uh, it was like on video or on TV or something. But anyways, um, leading up to this film, wasn't interested in it. We were kind of peeking around for another VOD movie maybe. And then we started seeing tweets from the interwebs and from, you know, other podcasters that we listen to, uh, who seem to be pretty positive on the film. And I still didn't quite buy it, but I was like, you know what, maybe whatever. I think I was surprised that you were actually like, you know what, we have to do it. And I was like, oh, we have to do it now. If Steven's actually going to see a horror film, then I definitely am, am up for it. Um, so I did not like this movie <laughs> at all. I I mean, people are throwing around things like, this is M. Night Shyamalan's best film in 15 years, or this is like a return to form, and like all these things. And I think it's a very bad movie. Um, hmm. the, the twist of the film I actually did enjoy. I didn't quite see it coming because I was too busy thinking in my head, f*** this movie. <laughs> um, the... So, like, you you mentioned the hide-and-seek hide scene, right? Yeah. Which is in the trailer. You know, she's like, I'm going to get you here. Um, uh, like, at the point in the film, like, that is so early on in the, like, chronology of the film that it makes zero freaking sense. Like, it does not belong in that. Like, it, when you watch it in the trailer, you think it's, like, after the shit is already hitting the proverbial fan, right? Like, things are getting crazy. And now the grandma is going to be, like, chasing them underneath the thing. But, like, it's thrown in, like, out of nowhere. And it's suddenly, like, this is scary. Suddenly it's not scary. You know, like, they're they're doing – it just – for me, it feels like a person got a piece of paper out and said, what are scary things that an old person could do that maybe could not be scary but are definitely scary? And then just wrote them down, shuffled them in a bag, poured them out like Bananagram style, and then just like 
started making a movie about it. Like I, I don't feel there's a logical progression in the the craziness of the film. Um, there are way too many moments that feel like like it's not even it feel like it, it. There's basically the, these these really heavy handed attempts at foreshadowing um, that are very very weird. And there's even things that like it feels like he's ripping off his own stuff now. Like not just. Uh, not just the type of thing that we're like, oh, well, this usually happens in a horror film, so I'm going to also throw this in my movie. Because in general, I'm fine with that. Like, like every movie that involves an exorcism, I just spent like five minutes earlier in this episode talking about how I like exorcism films. Like, there's, you know, the classic thing about exorcism is like you need to figure out the name of the demon so that way you can like banish it from the person, right? So there's always a scene with a priest saying like, tell me your name and stuff like that. So like there are things that are tropes that you're allowed to repeat, but like... He straight up steals moments from the sign, like like swing away, whatever the hell your name is. Like, oh yeah, for sure. He pulls the exact same bullshit in this film. Sorry, minor spoilers if you can figure out what I'm talking about. But it it like I the, the construction of the film I just don't like. You know, it, it started off and like I immediately was like, okay, this the fact that you're even interviewing your mom, you know, main character of the story, doesn't make any sense. And they explain why it makes sense like later on in the film, but it, it it just it seemed too convenient, like the way it was all being set up and and I don't know, I just the as I watched the film, I mean part of it might be that I was in a theater full of freaking teenagers that were stupid as hell. Um but it was really hard for me to just get into the movie because there was just too many things where I was like, Okay, so now you're just being weird. I'm not actually scared yet. I'm mostly just confused at why these things are happening. You know, now, it, are you sure you didn't just want the teenagers in the movie to die to get <laughs> some anger out? To, to get to get like a revenge on like metaphorical or symbolic uh, happenings to those people to uh, to pretend that it like to live vicariously through those characters. As yeah, that would be to, healthy. No, yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe I. I just feel that I want to feel like there is a, a steady ramp up and I want to feel like things are happening for a reason as opposed to things are happening because the writer director thinks that those things are creepy. <clears throat> like, I mean, I mean, like I said, the, the twist almost brought me around on the film. Like, and, and I, I kind of hate that we keep referring to the twist because then I feel like it's taking away from it for maybe people who are enjoying the movie up till it's, presence but i but i think that like it was almost enough to kind of bring me around but then it was like immediately after that happens then we get the like call back to the signs tropes and and i don't know i i was i was all in all i was really disappointed by the film and it didn't really give me the um the excitement i mean like the the boy has these weird affectations like like for absolutely no reason i'm i'm really into being like a ladies man even though like you never actually see me talking to a lady but then i rap but then i want to replace my curse words with like names of female actors or musicians or whatever and i still don't even remember which one it is but kelly clarkson <laughs> so musicians um but it, it like it just like the daughter having to be Oh, this like aspiring filmmaker who like really has an idea. Like, let's make jokes about mise en scene and like all this stuff. <laughs> like, it, I don't. It just felt like no one felt real in the story, and 
while the premise of the film, including the twist, like if you just like if you gave me the elevator pitch for this movie and I'm an exec, I would totally be on board and I would let you make this movie. Mm-hmm. But the execution of it and the way it's presented was not like compelling to me, and it, it, yeah, I just I, just, I found it very disappointing from that aspect of it. So I can't say I disagree with you on any major point, actually. It's just in my mind that the things you're criticizing it for not being are not what I expected the movie to be or wanted it to be. Um, Like no one feeling real, it feeling like it took a bunch of his own tropes and shuffled them in a bag and repeated them for you. Um, That all made it fun for me as like a kind of comic horror movie. Well, well, let let, let me let me throw out one thing that I think is the the like most egregious thing this film does, and I will speak I will speak as ambiguously as I can. Yeah, I think you'll be able to pick up on the scene I'm talking about. The scene involves um, it's the the most jump scary jump scare in the film, and it involves an extreme close up. Mm -hmm. Do you know the scene I'm talking about? Yeah. So in that scene, there is no, like, so in that scene, it's the first time that our main characters aren't operating the camera. Mm -hmm. But in order for the thing that they want to show that's scary, the camera has to move from place to place. Because unlike paranormal activity, there aren't a series of cameras stashed throughout the house to try to capture whatever is happening. Inside the universe of this film, there's no reason why any of that should happen. Because in the context for what the scare comes from, there's no, um, not like, uh, what's the word? Not like sentience, but there's no, not autonomy, but like there's no agency of that character at that time, right? So it, it was just like when that happened... It was like, okay, so you, you set this thing up for the jump scare. You got your jump scare. You know, like, the, you know, the freaking teenagers won't shut up and seriously talk for about two minutes afterwards um, and, like, narrated the scene as it was playing out. And, uh, like, that happens. And then you go, like, oh, shit, how do we show the next scene? Oh, I know how we'll show the next scene. And then they do what they do. Like, that... That it, it's just disappointing because it breaks the illusion of what's happening. You know what I mean? Like you could have done anything else to try to portray that, or you know, maybe I don't. I don't know. It just it's, it those type of things. I think this film is really guilty of. That's the easiest one to kind of uh, to, to kind of show off. But I, I need to pause for a second to let you know that I am so wimpy. That just having you describe that dumb scene <laughs> got me, like my phone in my backpack made a little noise while you were talking about it, <laughs> and I te- I tensed up. I'm I'm just a total wimp. I, I I agree with you, of course, that there is no reality where that scene happens the way that it happens. And, like, and, and, and here here's the worst part: what is happening after the scare is the most frightening thing in this movie, like. Mm-hmm. Because that is the first time that any character is in genuine danger. Right. And it's so undercut by the the directorial choice and the writing of that scene. Like, it, it's – you're taking the single greatest moment of danger for a character and you're just shitting on it. Mm-hmm. 
except for when more literally that happens later. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I, I I saw that moment as very goofy. I definitely saw the character in question as having the only internal logic these characters have is to behave in the most like terrifying freak out children way possible. <laughs> um, yeah. And that is like, that is the only logical narrative I can see for it. And yeah, that scene felt very pulpy and very comic in the way that it happened. Like that is but, for the audience. It isn't for the movie. But here's the um, thing too, is those characters don't know what's happening on the outside of the door. All they know is that somebody's banging on the door. They mm-hmm. don't know what the thing is and the, 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 what that person has with them, I should say. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they, they that, that just seems to be the same sounds they were hearing the night before. Right. Maybe more intentional. But, yeah, I, I can't disagree. I mean, my, my feeling during that scene was laughter. It, it wasn't terror. It was, like, laughter with a, just enough tension to feel like I was still in a horror movie. Yeah. And you're right that that could have been played much more frighteningly if he hadn't undercut it or if the construction could have made it more apparent what was going on. Yeah. I I just wasn't looking for that, I guess. I was looking for a jumble of alternatingly funny and frightening moments. <laughs> I guess you got exactly what you were looking for then. Yeah, I was... Maybe it was just setting expectations appropriately. <laughs> Maybe this is another case where me, having not watched many horror movies for the last like eight years of my life, am not the right person <laughs> to um, judge a horror film. You're saying you're M not Shyamalan? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a good one. That's really a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, maybe... Maybe I don't have a good frame of reference. I, I I guess I walked in wanting something that was only a playful popcorn flick, not one that had to make sense in any reasonable way. And I feel like from the very beginning, the way the kids are behaving, the way that, you know, this daughter is unbelievably precocious and they're talking about mise-en-scene and they're basically making a horror movie on accident. Like, that's what the documentary is. And (laughs) in order for that to happen, you need to see a real world who follows this bizarre internal logic to maximize horror scene type moments for the camera. (laughs) And that felt like the the cheap trick the movie was doing. And I don't know. I thought it was a fun cheap trick. I, I thought it was entertaining. Yeah. And I definitely did not feel like M. Night Shyamalan ever took himself seriously making this movie. <laughs> really? You don't think he was like, I just gave Guillermo del Toro a run for his money? No. No way. <laughs> I feel like he... I, I feel like... I imagine him... Not only that he thinks that the girl talking precociously about film is, like, actually sounding like a genius, but I think that he is that girl. Like, he he mm-hmm. thinks, like, oh, my God, what I'm doing is just I'm creating the most whatever, whatever that I could do. Like, I, I Really? Don't I, I don't at all. I see it as him 
poking fun at himself and even the swing away like homage homage that you <laughs> mentioned i feel like if if both of us immediately picked that up as like a are you kidding me this is this happened in signs already i'm pretty sure he did too <laughs> like i almost feel like he was looking back at this career of like successes and then a bunch of failures and deciding like i'm just gonna make fun of all this shit <laughs> but i don't like j- just i mean part of it is the baggage i carry from his previous films but like if you look at the way just take the simple way that he took the main character ang from avatar the last airbender and wrote him as ong because that's the proper way to say the name that's pronounced as canon as ang is that's the type of thing where you don't do that to poke fun at yourself. Like you do it because you think that you are in the right. And I, it's hard for me to imagine him doing something that's, that's satire when if you're trying to do something that's satire, like, I don't know. I feel like the way he could be satire is to pull a double twist at the end where like there's a twist and then it turns out that like, Oh, we were just kidding. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, but even, even with, the shitty moments um <laughs> meant <laughs> meant to have more meaning uh, that, okay that's another thing like the shitty moment is just a, another example of of like the, what would be scary what if grandpa was like burying like diapers of shit in the shed oh that's scary to me that that, that, that makes him seem no crazy, i right? didn't think that was scary i no, thought that no, was no, an no, example I'm, of the I'm goofiness a, and doing, maybe the goofiness going overboard no no but i'm, I'm doing his pr- logical progression he's like okay mm-hmm. well that's not scary enough well why don't we give the child the affectation of being like a germaphobe and for no reason at all have him have a scene where he can't get something gross off his hands and then take those two things, combine them, and go literally in the future to, to the grossest thing that he could experience. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like there's there's a sense where like it's – there's no other way to read that than silly. Yet I think that I, – I feel like M. Night Shyamalan was like, oh, but this is really like poignant and something and – no, I did not. I did not read it as poignant <laughs> whatsoever. No, I didn't the only read it point... that either. But I just imagined him like, oh, this would be really good because he like he doesn't like dirt. What's worse than dirt? <laughs> yeah, we didn't give that away. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can put these clues together. Um, but that's okay. I mean, letter letterbox was already full of people talking about the quote diaper scene. I think I read reviews like that already. Yeah. Um. But anyway, the only moment where I really felt like M. Night Shyamalan thinks he's doing something meaningful was like the very, very end. And maybe one point in the middle where it tries to like harken back to the kid's family life and the things that shaped them. And those moments I didn't know what to make of because I felt like he had to know this movie <laughs> did not build empathetic enough characters for me to need a emotional scene like that or for that to need to be gratified somehow. Um, but I was willing to overlook it. I didn't, those were where I felt like he was being pretentious. Definitely not with the horror or the kind of goofy, dumb humor. I could have done without the diaper moments myself. I don't feel like they added anything. Yeah. Um but when he was just going for like balls to the wall creepy 
I I don't know. I I was on board for it, and I thought I thought of that as him poking complete fun at the genre, not of him believing he was crafting anything. And like, if the daughter comes across as being extremely pretentious and talking about mise en scène and how we're going to frame this moment and we're going to have an emotional scene with crying and everything. I feel like if anything, that's him making fun of his own pretension, not, not him building a character who is like him to build up. Well, I mean, I will give him credit on not putting himself in the film. Like he always has like a cameo role in his movies for no Mm -hmm. reason at all. Um, But wasn't he the pile of shit? <laughs> Sorry, that was just his filmography that made a cameo. Zing. Um but yeah. Uh I had a serious thought in there somewhere, but now I just I just can't stop thinking of him as a piece of shit. Um <laughs> literally I mean figuratively. <laughs> Anyways. And Haley Joel Osment played Nana, actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you have any leftover comments about the film? Like, is there any, any other thing that it did maybe that interested you or disappointed you or anything like that? I mean, not really. A, a part of me was concerned with the way the movie was going, that it was like, going for really, really cheap shots at the expense of old people. <laughs> like, I think we can all agree the diaper moment is an example of that. Um, but I will say that, like, my my general discomfort with how things were going, the eventual things that are revealed in the movie paid that off pretty well. Like, by the end of the movie, I have no problem at all with <laughs> the way things went down. Yeah. Uh, other than that... No, not really. I think this movie ties in pretty well to a true story, actually. (laughs) How so? It would require a major spoiler to say that. For for both of them? Yeah, I think so. Well, okay, so here's one question. Like, at at one point in time, uh, there's, like, a random um, person from the town who will say swings their way into the picture for a little yeah. bit tarzan <laughs> yes tarzan um do, like do you think that was necessary like th- that's the type of thing that that makes me feel like this is just what's what's creepy oh maybe this is creepy so let's do this like is there um necessary i don't know because when that when that takes place it is in this kind of like big chaotic crescendo of the movie where I feel like creepiness is in the restraint, like in the moments built up where you get a little something and then it cuts to a different thing that is like relieving. Yeah. Like I feel like that's how creepiness is bred for me is these subtle moments or not subtle, like this movie wasn't subtle, but you know, the moments where like they give you a little bit and then they hold back and then they give you a little bit more and they hold back. Yeah. Um, That moment that you're describing happened in the chaotic frenzy where nothing was really scary anymore it was just kind of a fun explosion of ridiculousness uh so it it worked fine for me it kind of like it kind of set the stage for that part of the movie i didn't mind it i I guess i kind of felt like in the world of it goes back to my comment earlier about agency i feel that like when the stuff is the craziest 
um, the old people don't have agency, right? Like they are succumbing to whatever the issue is with them, right? Right. So I feel that the thing that leads to the character that swings her way into the film, um, uh, I feel like that requires malice and forethought. <laughs> yep. Um, which, I mean, I, I do believe it happens earlier in the day. So it's not, Correct. it's not an evening thing, but I guess just on some level. It is a little problematic, but I think the time sensitive nature of the weird behavior of these characters is kind of distinct from their other flaws and some of this movie the whole way through requires agency like knowledge of what you are doing um and i feel like this fits with that it's hard to say vaguely <laughs> like it's hard to say without giving away anything yeah but i i don't mind that because i think malice and creepiness are two different qualities of these characters yeah and only the latter is restricted to nighttime. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I agree with that. As I was kind of saying, I was sort of half answering my own question. <laughs> mm -hmm. But uh, I'll, I'll let this one slide. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think that's all I really have to say. But, but I will say one more anecdotal story. It's not really anecdotal. I, I just want to say one more stupid-ass thing that the stupid-ass teenagers were doing in my theater. Mm -hmm. um, like I told you, not in this episode, that some girl that was like across the aisle from me had like pulled out her phone and was playing a video and talking during one of the scenes, um, which was really aggravating. But uh, there's a scene in the film, it's the only time that you see, um, I, we'll call it archival footage of the children's father who's no longer in the picture. Mm -hmm. And like this girl, like super loud, it's like, oh my God, it's James Franco. Is that James Franco? Oh, it's so James Franco. And then it's like, it's not even close to James Franco. <laughs> but she was like, squee, like, oh my God, I love James Franco. And I, uh, I just wanted to punch her in her face. That is awful. Which I would never do for the record. I would never hit <laughs> anyone really because I'm too amity to do that. <laughs> but also I wouldn't hit some little girl in a movie theater just for annoying the shit out of me. I can imagine that with the wrong crowd, this movie would be pretty unbearable to watch. Yeah. I was in the perfect crowd. They were having fun. They were like not silent. You know, it was a lively crowd, but nobody was talking about James Franco. They they were pretty good about watching the movie. <laughs> and we were all drinking, which is key. Oh, yeah, for sure. There, there, I, I really want to make a movie... Where, like, it turns out that alcohol is the problem. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, sure, make an entire metaphor for alcoholism, but, like, make it to where, like, the something about the alcohol is the thing that, like, messes with everybody. And then everybody in the theater is, like, drinking and having a good time. And then when that twist comes up, like, everybody just, like, freaks out. The hops will constrict your throat after 30 minutes. <laughs> it could happen. You never know. Yeah. Watch out. Anyway, should we get to our verdicts for this episode? Sure, why not? All right, Stephen, if you're going to give this a must-see, a reckon with the caveat, a wait for a rental, a pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I'm giving it a solid recommend with a caveat. Um, 
I think this falls in that genre of movie that is fun enough that I think it's worth giving a shot, worth watching. Caveat being, I don't think it has much to offer. And it certainly isn't like a gnawing or original movie. Um, <laughs> it is a a fun two hours with just a little bit of lingering imagery, but nothing that I think like puts it in the pantheon of great <laughs> horror movies or anything. But it is fun. And I think it's the first not bad movie M. Night Shyamalan has made in quite a long time. <laughs> so way, way to go for doing your job. <laughs> um, I really did not like this movie. Um, I mean, the positive of this film is it's not about trees trying to kill people. <laughs> so it's well, got spoiler. It's, it's got that going for it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a must avoid. <laughs> I just really didn't like it. Um, I'm gonna give it a must see now, just to fight with you on it. That's fine if we wanna if we wanna equalize down to a wait for rental. <laughs> I don't know if I want to live with myself calling it must see. I had a lot of fun though, the dumb kind of fun. I don't not like Furious Seven dumb fun, like not that level of amazing dumb fun, but a good amount of dumb fun. I I think that. In a perfect world where I saw this with a 21 and up crowd, um, I might be a little more leaning on the film, maybe lean towards pass of the caveat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think just like when I, when I left the film, I was just like, you know, maybe if it didn't even pull the signs homaging, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe if things like that weren't there. Or moments that the scene that we talked about in the center um, with with the things that happened outside of agency, um, I think I probably would have just left it as a pass of the caveat. But I think that those things and the few little signs where I can see or I feel at least that M Night is trying to really do something and just not executing in a way that I like, it makes me just dislike it even more. Fair enough. So that's what I give it. Who wants to play Yahtzee? The darkies. I feel the darkies. I'm guessing you don't want anybody to know where to find you, so... (laughs) No. No, if you want to find me, um... Don't. (laughs) Please don't. At least give it a good three months for this to wear off and you forget about the movie and then people can try to find you. Yeah, maybe go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller, but... I don't know, be be gentle about it people can find me over at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl you can find the podcast over at the spoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show if you want to get or if you want to know when the episodes go live you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash the spoilerwarning if you uh, want to get a hold of us directly you can send an email to fans at spoilerwarning.com you can use the contact form on our site or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to uh, the film The Visit. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying that. Um, we are going to take off. Um, Steven's probably going to rock back and forth on the ground in the fetal position. <laughs> yeah, I need to get away the darkies now. <laughs> Um, 
But uh, yeah, thank you for joining me, Stephen. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad you survived. <laughs> and uh, everybody else, thanks for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Like yours will surely come my way Oh, f***. <laughs> I'm guessing Victoria just came in. Yes. Oh, you know that's going to end the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, that could be the ending sound of the episode. <laughs>